Hi everyone, I'm Carla. And I'm Iman with a bit of a cold, so I apologize in advance for my nasally voice. And you're listening to Screensaver, a podcast about all things pop culture. In today's episode, we'll be taking a deep dive into Jordan Peele's amazing thriller-slash-horror film, Get Out. We'll take some time to discuss the film's sharp use of classic horror tropes, its casting, and of course, its stunning use of social satire. Suffice to say, this movie shook us to our core, and we have a lot to say about it. So before we dive in, a quick warning. Our discussion might have some spoilers. If for whatever reason you haven't seen this movie yet and are still curious about checking it out, please go watch it. For everyone else, here's a bit of the movie trailer to set the mood. You got your toothbrush? Check. Do you have your deodorant? Check. Do you have your cozy clothes? Got that. What? Do they know I'm black? Should they? You might wanna, you know. Mom and Dad, my black boyfriend will be coming up this weekend. I just don't want you to be shocked that he's a black man. <laughs> I ain't never seen you like this before, bro. Meet families, taking road trips. Don't come back all bougie, man. Come back, get your damn pants up to your damn stomach. <laughs> <laughs> Call me Dean and you're hungry, my man. So how long has this been going on, this... <laughs> so look, I go do my research. Apparently, a whole bunch of brothers been missing in this suburb. But it's cool. Bro, how you not scared of this, man? Get out. Sorry, man. Get out! Yo! Bros, we gotta go. All right. So, a little bit of background. Iman. I think you'd agree in saying you and I are not horror movie people, right? No, definitely not. I think the most intense we've gotten before this movie was uh, Secret Window, the Johnny Depp movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that counts. Not very intense. I think we tend to avoid these movies because they feel gratuitous and just silly. But Jordan Peele's Get Out was really different. Yeah. After hearing a lot of great things about this movie from our cousin and friends, Iman and I finally got a chance to see it a couple weeks ago, and we were absolutely blown away by it. Yeah, so I went into this movie knowing surprisingly little about it, because first off, the people that would recommend it to me wouldn't say anything more to me about it than, quote, go see it. And then secondly, conversation around the movie in the news quickly shifted from anything about the plot itself to its 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which I'm pretty sure is rare. Right. I mean, that's like Moonlight level rating. Yes. I think one negative review since then has taken it down to 99, but still. All right. For the sake of tradition and keeping this podcast consistent, if you forgot about the movie or ignored our spoiler warning at the beginning, I'm going to give a little bit of plot talk. So Get Out is a movie in which a young African-American man, Chris, he's played by the British Daniel Kaluuya, and his girlfriend, played by Allison Williams of Peter Pan Live fame, 
<laughs> yeah, that's where we all know her from the best. Yeah, for well, from the trailers for Peter Pan. Like, <laughs> let me clarify, I didn't see it. Um, anyway, did I. this couple spends the weekend together at uh, the girlfriend's family estate in the countryside, and Chris soon begins to notice peculiar things about this family and their home, and eventually things go from uncomfortable to outright terrifying real quick. Yeah, I think that's a perfect summary, because to me, Get Out was like a twisted combination of... Meet the Parents, The Stepford Wives, and Night of the Living Dead, and the end result was pretty chilling. So, Iman, how about we dive right into our initial impressions? What do you think? Man, not since watching Night Of have I had such a visceral viewing experience. Mm. And I'd say this was even probably more intense. It was more concentrated. Uh, For essentially the two hours that this movie spans, or it's less than two hours, right? It's about 90 minutes. That's his first plus. Movies are too long nowadays. Anyway, for it's under two hours or whatever it was, it felt like longer because my body was a ball of stress and rage. For the entire time I was watching it, I mean, I was squirming in my chair. I could hear other people somewhat uncomfortable, but still, I wanted within 15 minutes of the movie ending to rewatch it because it was just such a mind bending experience. The movie was so much better than I had expected it to be. I mean, I had heard about its 100% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, but I kind of thought, well, what does that mean to me? But actually watching it, It was amazing. It was also scarier than I had expected it to be. Yeah, I completely agree. I felt a total rainbow of emotions while watching this movie. The experience was creepy, funny, disturbing, and it was really difficult to anticipate what was coming next in terms of its many twists and turns. Yeah, definitely agreed. Okay, so as we go into our analysis of this movie... The biggest thing that everyone was talking about was its its effect or its use of social satire. So should we talk about that first? Yeah, I think that you kind of have to start there. Right. Because one of the biggest reasons this movie is receiving so much attention is because of its fresh and sobering take on tackling current race relations. I read on Twitter, one person described it by saying, Get Out is not a movie, it's an artful reality check, and I have to say that's probably the best way to describe it. I agree. I mean, it's it's not a movie that shies away from controversy. I mean, right now we live in a moment of Black Lives Matter, we live under the presidency of Donald Trump, these are all very salient issues. And for a movie to outright be about a black man being specifically targeted and, I mean, trapped by a white family and the, the distinction between their races is made very clear. I mean, I thought... It was terrifying, so to admit that it's a reality check is pretty terrifying, but I think the reality check comes in the 
in the fact that these are fears that exist. Right. And I loved the way it was able to include so many heavy subjects like racism, even eugenics, class, and social privilege in a really elegant way. But at the same time, I think what was most impressive and, like you said, scary, was the way microaggressions were almost effortlessly interwoven with outright racism. So, for example, in this movie, you see white men mentioning how much they liked Tiger Woods or how they would have voted for Obama a third time if they had the chance. Yes, I... I mean, I know we're going to talk about the criticisms for this movie a little bit later on, but I think that when you hear the initial premise for this movie, it kind of sounds like a comedy. Mm-hmm. And what makes this movie a true terror movie or a ho- true horror movie is the fact that it is exploding these little fears that we have by exploding microaggressions. I mean, it's a... M- The movie is essentially a lesson in the absolute worst-case scenario implications of microaggressions, like mentioning Tiger Woods around a black guy or mentioning Obama around a black guy, as if that's some sort of social capital. Mm -hmm. The movie refuses to let those little comments be dismissed as just little comments, and it, it actively points to the fact that, hey, these comments, they're pointing to something larger and potentially straight up evil. Right. And I think, as you you briefly mentioned before, I think a lot of the success of the film's message also has to do with the timing of its release. It's probably fair to say that Get Out is the first movie to be released in 2017 to have this much of a lasting cultural impact. And it's definitely I th- the first with its own meme. Right. And I think that's in part because it tapped into a really valid and pervasive fear that currently exists in this country, especially among minority groups. Yeah. And I think this is kind of what we've been talking about in the few minutes that we've been talking. Get Out takes a fear of microaggressions or of really just noticing the differences in race. And no one's colorblind, I get that. But it takes the difference that exists between races and it finds a way of not only vilifying flat-out racists that see that difference as something to destroy, but it makes a point of acknowledging and finding horror in even the liberal attitudes that act kind of above racism. Ooh, I really like that, yeah. At the beginning of this movie, Chris and the audience are really tricked into thinking we are being introduced to a typical, liberal, Caucasian family. I mean, I was half expecting to see an NPR tote bag somewhere in that house. And the fact that this mask that they were wearing was able to trick us long enough to be shocked by the fact that they weren't at all what they appeared to be is a huge testament to the acting, and by extension, this movie's casting. So do you want to talk about that for a little bit? Yeah. Okay, so I think part of the reason why we are able to make immediate assumptions about the friendly Armitage family is that the majority of them were pretty recognizable actors. I mean, we had... 
Bradley Whitford playing Dean Armitage, who is Rose's father, and Catherine Keener playing Missy Armitage, who was Rose's mother. This casting decision kind of reminded me of the one Vince Gilligan made by casting Brian Cranston as Walter White in Breaking Bad, because you have really recognizable, friendly faces playing a typical mom and dad, and then that sort of makes the effect of seeing them turn into villains almost more shocking and more of a sort of reveal that shakes the ground that we thought was really firm. Yes. I mean, you were mentioning masks before. Um, My English major shout out is that there's a famous Paul Lawrence Dunbar poem about the black experience called We Wear the Mask. And Hmm. since seeing the movie, I've been thinking about it a lot and seeing how horrifically it was able to flip that narrative in which it was this white family wearing masks. I think your point about Walter White is super interesting because Catherine Keener and Bradley Whitford, as I mentioned before, are both very kind of, they play very liberal characters. Um, There's one actor, actress, I should say, that I was particularly surprised by, and that is (laughs) Peter Pan herself, Alison Williams. Yes, Rose. Iman, we've been hinting at it this whole episode. What did we think of her? First off, acting-wise, like, yeah, okay, whatever, she was fine. But we need to pause here for a moment and dissect the character of Rose because I hated her from the start! (laughs) So much! Oh my god! (laughs) I'm so glad you're bringing this up because I literally have Tear Rose Apart in my notes on this movie. (laughs) I think her personality flaws are presented early on in the movie and are actually captured beautifully in this one scene that I have ready to play here. This is a scene early on in the movie where Rose and Chris are on their way to her parents' house, and as they're driving in the middle of nowhere, uh, all of a sudden they hit a deer. The highway patrol comes by, and the scene I'm about to play right now is the moment the police officer is sort of making his report on the incident that there was. Sir, can I see your license, please? Wait, why? Yeah, I have state ID. No, no, no. He wasn't driving. I didn't ask who was driving. I asked to see his ID. Yeah, why? That doesn't make any sense. Here. You don't have to give him your ID because you haven't done anything wrong. Maybe, baby, it's okay. Come on. Anytime there is an incident, we have every right to ask. Ma'am, the... I'm good. Get that headlight fixed. And that mirror. Thank you, officer. Okay, so much about her interaction with this police officer bothers me. She was practically flaunting her privilege. Her talking back to the officer like that, to me, that wasn't brave. It was needlessly reckless. And more than anything, it just speaks to her confidence in her own imperviousness before the law. 
Yeah, it's super frustrating. Here, we see her just going like, no, that's bullshit, like, F that. Did you also hear the other theory that in this scene, Rose isn't so much performing in front of Chris, trying to show that she will do anything to defend her man, but she was also sort of serving her own, yeah, serving her own purpose by avoiding a paper trail. Yeah, I mean, I guess it works both ways, but regardless, the way that she was going about it, it, putting the deer aside and her lack of empathy aside, putting avoiding a paper trail aside, either way, the manner in which she was speaking to the police officer just irked me, because that wasn't a mask, that felt like something that was a little too true to life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I feel like from the beginning... Even what was sold to the audience as, look at this perfect girlfriend, there are breadcrumbs. Her flat-out refusal, forget race, her flat-out refusal to understand and properly think through any of what her boyfriend's concerns are. That was so annoying. Yeah. There were breadcrumbs, there were signs all along, I hate Rose. (laughs) So, moving on. We have been talking about this movie's wokeness, and it deserves much credit for that. But at this point, we could be talking about a drama movie, and we haven't really mentioned the fact that it is, by all accounts, a straight-up horror-slash-thriller film. So uh, I think we should talk about the horror movie tropes within this movie as well, because... From a film lover's perspective, I love that Get Out gives you a lot of shout-outs to classic visuals of the horror genre. I mean, you have a secluded, idyllic-looking home in the middle of nowhere. There were staticky old television sets, uh, even creepy taxidermy, which may have been a shout-out to Norman Bates. Yeah, gosh. And it even turns some classic tropes and turns them on their head. So one of the things that I thought was really interesting was that at the very beginning, you see a black man walking in an empty suburban street alone. And rather than making him the predator, like many other movies might have, this movie instead makes him the victim. And then you also have that other trope where you have uh, the black character that is always the first to die, and obviously that's not the case in this movie either. So I thought just those little subtle nods to the genre itself was really fun. Yeah, agreed. And I mean, we mentioned at the onset that we're not big horror movie people, but they did seem to be such classic references that they were never they never felt exclusive to a horror movie audience they were right. recognizable just kind of as pop culture aficionados exactly this movie also did a good job of finding horror in the mundane would you agree with that yeah some of the horror in this movie is something as simple and universal as like not finding your keys, which is something I struggle with a lot. Um, <laughs> not having a fully charged cell phone. Scary things to modern people. Yes, modern horrors. 
Yeah, modern horrors that when you're watching old movies, a lot of times you're just like, man, if they had a cell phone, this whole the whole premise of this movie would be done. Yeah, <laughs> and or like, man, if this guy just had an internet, like if the, if this man had just Googled, I mean, stuff like that, where this movie kind of seemed conscious of that and it addressed them all. So there was. Never a moment where you kind of had to suspend disbelief because everything was being addressed in the moment. Yes, I think uh, I don't know how much of a horror movie trope this is, but I would definitely say another successful element of this movie and one of the things that made it really rewatchable, like I guess the best of thrillers, um, is that no comment or action or plot point in the movie is ever innocent. Or offhand, mm, yeah, which turned it into almost like uh, there were points at which uh, I was watching, and I kind of felt like I was shifting into lost mode, where I was. Or, I'm obviously referencing the television show Lost. Um, where yeah, there was so much to dissect. Yes, you could look in the background. I found, I caught myself looking in the backgrounds where it's like, oh, what does that poster say? Little things like that, and then. There were little things at the beginning of the movie that I just kind of caught on to and I was like, mm, this sounds like it's going to be something. <laughs> like uh, the dad, when he's giving a tour of the home, for instance, mentions black a black mold problem in the basement. Yes, there was also that woman feeling Chris's biceps and commenting on how handsome he is while her sickly husband is nodding in agreement. Uh, yeah, that was weird. <laughs> also, the fact that every black person in the Armitage house is really into hats or long bangs. <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, I just thought that woman was, like, checking herself out in the mirror. <laughs> yeah. Or in the window, I should say. Um, yeah, and then, I mean, apart from those kind of creeping suspicions there's also overt visual references to slavery be it the bingo card slave auction or human auction i guess you can say there are mm -hmm. there are leather binds that feel very uh reminiscent of i was gonna say django but i should say slavery in general <laughs> uh there's there's even cotton picking that happens mm -hmm. at one point in the movie i mean we could go on forever but that's what i love about this movie jordan peele or the creators of this movie obviously put so much thought into every detail and you can you can watch it again and really theorize and dig into it if you want to which yes. i really enjoyed Oh, no, that was the funnest part about this movie was leaving and thinking about all those tiny little details and reading up on fan theories. That That is the absolute best. And that's part of what has made it such a cultural phenomenon. Yeah. Uh, the way that the movie was presented, it would present facts or images that would gain meaning later in the movie. So it was kind of like they'd give you a lock and then they'd give you the key much later on. And, I mean, I thought that just made it really fun. <laughs> no, definitely. So, Iman, we've discussed the social critiques in this movie. We've discussed Get Out's casting and just all the horror movie tropes that are in it. Do you have any other stray observations before we get into our shout-outs? 
Yeah. The premise of the movie is that this white cult is using black bodies as surrogates for white brains. Mm-hmm. Uh, and one stray observation I had afterwards was how scary how scary that justification or the fact that there was justification was. Um, mm-hmm. They mention physical fitness. They mention coolness or hipness or of having a certain eye. And after leaving the movie, I just kind of thought, like, if this movie had been about the Ku Klux Klan grabbing people just out of pure hatred or out of pure racism... That would have been terrifying and tragic, but it would have felt more like one of those Texas Chainsaw Massacre movies where it's just kind of like, it's scary, it's graphic, but you know the stakes. Right. This movie, it kind of felt like they were consciously denying allegations of racism. I mean, there are several points where the dad's like, oh, I know how this looks, or like, oh, yeah. I mean, who knows if that was a ruse, but um, they do seem to be consciously... No, there is. There's the blind guy that says, I'm not a racist. Right. These people that are consciously denying any claim to racism and instead citing specific reasons like oh no I, like i'm not racist i just want x or i just want y quality that's generally associated with people of color that felt way creepier to me yeah i agree it would have felt like okay there's just this single crazy white guy with a personal vendetta instead of what it was in the movie which is this dynastic communal attempt to launch this terrifying supposedly logical movement the way that the horror was constructed in this movie was really scary um another thing i have in my notes that we haven't really mentioned is the ending of the movie which has also received a lot of attention yeah let's get into it I thought that ending was absolutely perfect. Should we describe it for people real quick? People that have seen the movie will know what the ending is. People that haven't, you probably don't want it totally spoiled for you, but um, here it goes anyway. The movie ends with Chris, after a long series of events, getting in a tussle with Rose, upon which uh, police arrive. So Rose and Chris are both on the floor and Chris appears to be choking her. But the second that he thinks the cops have arrived, he lets go, puts his hands up in the air. And I honestly think everyone in the audience was thinking the exact same thing. Because what does what do you see? You see a black guy with his hands up and you see a girl on the floor screaming, officers, help, please. Yes, she immediately reverted back to the victim. Yeah, the lady that we heard talking to the officers before that assumes that officers are there to service her instead of carry out justice. Mm -hmm. Anyway, so we get this moment where I feel like the audience is collectively expecting Chris to either get shot or arrested and for this comedy horror to take its most horrific turn yet, but... We, the door o- swings open, and we see that it says airport security. 
We right. haven't mentioned him up to this point, but Chris's best friend in this movie, who has been gunning for him, works for the T.S. Mother Effing A. <laughs> yes. And this twist kind of played with our heads just as much as the rest of the movie had, but finally got a laugh out of us. Right. And I thought it was the perfect moment of levity and justice, given that all of us are probably going to be leaving the theater and entering back into a world of injustice. Right. Not quite as drastic as that described or shown in this terrifying movie, but... I, I really respected that Jordan Peele did opt for that more comedic ending instead of going for a really dramatic one and trying to make a point. Somewhere. Right, and I feel like he even drove his point further by not providing us the ending that everyone was expecting because the fact that we all expected it kind of proved his point without him having to show it to us. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Iman. So what do you think is next for Jordan Peele? He has made a movie that has raked in over $100 million in the box office. I'd say at this point, he can basically do whatever he wants. Do you have any hopes in particular? Honestly, I haven't thought very far ahead for him. So, I don't know. I think he has he's shown that he has a lot of range and that can go both ways. What do you think? I I mean, I obviously hope he continues down this trajectory because he obviously has very interesting viewpoints and I think they're worth sharing. And I actually got really excited when I read a quote of his recently. And he said that he actually has four other social thrillers that he wants to unveil in the next decade. He told this to Business Insider in February. He said, quote, I've been working on these premises about these different social demons, these innately human monsters that are woven into the fabric of how we think and how we interact. And each one of my movies is going to be about a different one. So that sounds really cool and really exciting. Yeah. Man. I do, I guess. He'll keep us in suspense. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll have to see what issues he'll tackle next. But I'll say with his first one, he did a pretty good job. Agreed. Okay, so how about we transition into our shoutouts? Elon, I feel like we haven't done shoutouts in such a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want to go first? Sure. Um, I'm going to keep them pretty simple. Uh, first off, uh, shout out to bocce balls. Uh, <laughs> a pretty tame sport. Um, that is turned into something very deadly. Yes. I have to shout out Darius from Atlanta, who makes a cameo in this movie. I loved seeing him in this movie because it, I kept thinking, how would Darius from Atlanta react to what was going on? And it made me really curious to see that movie. Maybe he would be acting more like the TSA agent best friend. I don't know, but 
still, it was cool to see him in major movies like this. Yeah, definitely. Go him. Next, shout out to Fruit Loops and Milk. Specifically together in a bowl, because (laughs) in this movie, they apparently don't like mixing colored things with white milk. Yeah. (laughs) Very subtle... A very subtle visual cue from from the twisted mind of Jordan Peele. Right. And then we also went down the rabbit hole of reading into all the racial implications of milk itself. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Apparently white supremacists chug it. It's weird. Yeah. Very weird. Um, shout out for me to cell phone camera flashes, because who knew we had a... Great weapon against uh, mind control in our own pockets. Yeah. Also, who hasn't had that happen to them where you're trying to take a picture on the DL and the camera flash goes off? I know. And then the noise also of the camera taking a picture. Yep. (laughs) Okay, what else do you have a shout out for? People would have to know me pretty well to know that I've always really wanted long teaspoons. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> After seeing the depiction of tea and teaspoons in this movie, I don't think I want them anymore. They are <laughs> apparently devices for hypnosis, and I am not about it. Yes. Uh, I also have one shout-out to the game of bingo. I never thought it could be so racist. <laughs> but I will never look at it the same way again. (laughs) Yes, I saw on Instagram somebody posted something about bingo night and my eyes got wide. (laughs) (laughs) Um, My last shout-out, I referenced it briefly before, but my last shout-out is to the T.S. Mother Effing A for being a public institution or group er, that gets so much flack when we're going through the airports. Mm Mm-hmm. The depiction of the TSA in this movie was, man, they get stuff done. What yes, a they do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think, I think Jordan Peele single-handedly improved the relationship between TSA agents and the general public with this movie because I know I will always smile when I look at them. Man, same. okay Iman how about our ratings what would you rate get out man I liked it on so many levels it made me uncomfortable it made me thoughtful um I don't know if I'd revise this in retrospect but for now I'm giving this movie a nine and a half which is probably the highest rating I ever give things. Wow nine and a half what? Uh I've been thinking about this um hmm nine and a half android phones which is a terrible rating system, but it kept taking me out of it that they didn't have iPhones, so fine. Nine out of ten, nine and a half out of ten fully charged Android phones. <laughs> nice. <laughs> um, for me, I I agree. This movie was 
everything I wanted from a thriller horror movie and more. It was thought-provoking. It started many interesting conversations in our family. And it was really fun, too. I like the fact that Jordan Peele made this movie, but he also made a point of not taking himself too seriously and having fun with it. So yeah, I'll give it 9 out of 10 Fruit Loops. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I'll just leave it at that. I guess that wraps things up on Get Out. Let's get out of Get Out. Do you have Yeah. Do you have any signal boosts for us this week? Yeah, I do actually. And Iman, I'm probably going to surprise you by choosing this as my signal boost. I'm choosing a half-hour CBS sitcom. CBS? Yes. Okay. It's called Superior Donuts and really? it's not bad at all. Yeah, Superior Donuts is a show, and I didn't know this, but it's actually based on a play of the same title about the relationship between a curmudgeon old donut shop owner named Arthur and Franco, his young and energetic assistant, who constantly wants to update the establishment and help it thrive in a quickly gentrifying Chicago neighborhood. This is a play? <laughs> Yeah, it was a play, and CBS turned it into a show. Wow. I'm not going to say this show is amazing, because it's not, but it has a lot of aspects that I've really enjoyed so far. The writing is solid. It surprisingly tackles a lot of difficult social issues. Uh, Also, most of the characters are almost instantly likable, and that's really important for me. Also... Maz Jabrani is in it, which is always a plus. Nice. Friend of yeah. the pod. <laughs> Yes. We mentioned him and his protesting. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Superior Donuts on CBS, and I believe it airs on Mondays. I recommend people check it out because it also seems like the type of show that can easily get canceled if it doesn't get the type of recognition it deserves. So, this is me doing my part. Nice. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, you should. I think you'll like it. Antiques Roadshow. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I like it. Um, I don't have any strong signal boost myself this week, but given that I was homesick for half a day, I watched more TV than I care to admit. Um, And one of the shows that I watched was the first episode of Legion. Oh, interesting. I've heard about this only because we are huge followers of Andy Greenwald, and I think he's a writer on that show. I'm kind of surprised, because the female characters that I've gotten so far aren't amazing, Uh but what's interested me a lot about the pilot is that um, I'm not a big X-Men buff. I don't really know much about the backstory or anything, but the entire first episode plays pretty straight um, as just people in an insane asylum. There's barely any reference to mutants or powers or anything until the very end of the show. So 
it was kind of interesting to take on the characters' perspectives and almost get a sense of how they would be interpreting their own powers as illnesses. Um, the plot almost seems secondary just because this show is so beautifully shot. It all feels like Tumblr photo sets. So if you're into just visually and artistically interesting shows, um, definitely worth checking out. For a first episode, it was, it was good, and I think I might be revisiting it. Nice. And Legion is on FX? Yes. No, I'm excited to check it out. I think this part of the show is funny because we're actually genuinely suggesting things to each other for the first time. Yeah, it's not just us looking at each other on the couch every night. (laughs) Okay, well, I think that does it for this episode of Screensaver. For those of you listening out there, if you have any thoughts you want to share with us on the stuff we've covered today, let us know. You can follow us on Twitter at ScreensaverPod and like our Facebook page, Screensaver Podcast. And as always, you can find other episodes of Screensaver on iTunes. Iman, I think I'll sign us off with some music from Get Out Soundtrack. Does that sound good? Ooh, are you talking about Sneaky Lisa? <laughs> yeah, I am. Yes. <laughs> Although it's, that's not what the song says. <laughs> Sneaky Lisa. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everyone. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Hello. I keep cutting out. Yeah. Why? I don't know. Just say your piece about bingo and then tell me when you're done.